Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. All right, guys, I got to tell you about this one. So I totally screwed up in booking this particular episode. And I don't know how I did it, but I got Miss Rhonda the completely wrong link. She showed up for the meeting. She looks all dolled up and gorgeous. And um, and she's got a great bubbly personality. So I said, fuck it. We're just going to do this damn interview. Screw going through the processes. Let's see what happens to the team. So this is going to be a fun talk. I've already enjoying our quick conversation with her. And you guys are going to enjoy her bubbly personality. So so let's do this, Miss Rhonda Williams, welcome to the show, my dear. Please tell us your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you, especially because you got the wrong link and all of that. <laughs> That's very cool and very funny. Right? This shows um, we're human, right? Exactly. Um, so I am super excited to be here. You know, I have, uh, I'm a registered nurse by background, and I've been on this wild and crazy journey that we call life. Yep. And, you know, I'm originally from Philadelphia. I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. So I don't know. I'm sorry, who? I live in Texas, so you can't say Philly. That's that's not a thing. Okay. <laughs> right here, Donnie, because I live in Texas, too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. But I had an, uh, an incredible career and um, got to work with caring for patients and, and doing all the the good work that comes out of being a nurse. And I started to climb in my career and, um, and, and funny story. So I left my organization in San Antonio and I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. I go to Louisville, Kentucky as, as an IS person because I'm just crazy like that, right? I was all over the place. So I'm in informatics and I'm in Kentucky and I get a call from a friend back in San Antonio. I was there probably less than a year. She said, hey, the chief nursing officer position is open here. And I'm like, okay, what are you telling me for? <laughs> like, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky now, not San Antonio. She's like, I know, I think you'd be really good. I'm thinking, what the hell? How, how, why? Like, I've never been a CNO, right? What are you talking about? So we get a big laugh out of it. And I go home and I say, hey guys, I got a call from, you know, uh, Terry was her name. I got a call from Terry and guess what she said? And we laughed about it. And my family all said, let's go. <laughs> about so anyway long story short I was like this is really hard so my um my uh manager at the time was formerly a CEO in San Antonio at the hospital where I was so we knew each other so right. she was thinking about the CMO position come in my office sit down I need to talk to you so I got a little worried right I went in the office and I sat down and I'm like yeah and she said I need you to know that this is the hardest job in the hospital and I said, okay, but you know, I'm a Taurus, right? So my, a little bit of my bull started coming out. So I was kind of like, what is she saying? Is she saying she doesn't think I can do it? And, you know, so I started getting a little stubborn, right? 
thinking she doesn't know I can do it. I can rock this job. Right. And so uh, I get all focused. I tell the guys, okay, we're going to go back and we're going to make an attempt to do this. And we are just going to, I'm going to be all in because that's the only way I know how to do anything. So I get there, I get to San Antonio. I got the job. I don't know how the heck that happened, right? <laughs> I interviewed her, I got it. And I went there and I was doing a job and it was probably about eight months in and I sat in my office and I closed the door and I said, holy crap. This is the hardest job in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. literally building your parachute on the way down. I like it. Exactly. I like it. So anyway, that's what she was trying to tell me. And so that brought with it a ton of stress, right? But I was in, as I said, and I got in and I was working with the team and doing some good things about five years or so. And um, I had, I got a promotion and became a CEO and we packed up the family again, moved from San Antonio uh, moved to the Dallas area um, and uh, did the CEO work there uh, for some years before my life came sort of crashing down. So I had this uh, incident at the organization where I worked and I, I say it's nearly a race riot. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, <laughs> but just slightly. Uh, it was really bad to the point where we ended up with national attention and all of the it was crazy. Like I literally was waking up every day thinking that this is a nightmare, right? This is mm. not really happening. There were protesters in my parking lot. We had patients in the hospital. It was crazy. So, and there was no manual, right? There's no manual for how you deal with something like this. So you just right. a school of hard knocks, you know, <laughs> and figure it out as you go. So I did that. And through that, um, at the end, after we got our hospital through that, and the most important thing was getting the patients through getting a team through. And we did that. And then my organization decided that um, it would be good for them to make a change. And I was the person they decided to change. So, <laughs> you know, when you're at that point in an organization, it is one where you are one of the most visible people in the organization, mm -hmm. but you're also one of the most vulnerable. And, um, and I'll never forget that. And so uh, they, they let me go. And I, mind you, I've been with this organization for nearly 20 years with a stellar record. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and so I was, I was devastated by that. So I was trying to just get my little seat legs going. And about eight months, nine months later, I figured out I needed to get a divorce from the man I had been married to for 25 years. Oh, so, so let's just throw it right on top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the rain and pouring, storing, like Texas hail kind of storm <laughs> is, what, is what I was in the middle of. So anyway, that those two incidents coming right after each other really caused a pivot point in my life. I had to, I had, I felt like everything was turned upside down and I had to really decide who I was going forward because at that moment, the person I was becoming was not the person I was willing to be. Mm. And so I, that got me started. I had to do some soul searching, Bonnie, and say, what, what do you want now? Because the person that you've been for the past 20 years, you're not that person anymore. And so now who are you and what do you want to be? And this is an opportunity for you. So um, I allowed, allowed myself to be human and go through that and began to realize the reason I was rising through the ranks was not because I wanted a title, but it was because I loved helping people, loved helping teams. Mm. I got to, the opportunity to help my leadership team. I helped nurses grow and develop. I helped patients and families get through, you know, some of the uh, most trying times of their lives. That was what I was after. So I decided that a, a, a different way that I could do that was to work with leaders and to help them become better leaders. And so this is what I like to say. I want to help leaders 
um, love leading and love life at the same time because that's that. not always the case. Right, right. No, that is beautiful. So you're a little badass. <laughs> <laughs> so you literally go through the nursing thing, rise through the ranks, become CEO of a hospital, which is a stressful damn job in itself. Yep. Find yourself out of a job because of a big incident, then have a divorce, and then go through the, the hero's journey of discovering yourself and have now come back to teach all this wonderful knowledge that you've garnished over a, a lifetime of leading people. Right. I hope you're proud of yourself. You know, I am now. <laughs> You know, I get that. No, I get that. That's real. That's real. I mean, because it's hard to be proud of yourself as you're going through all that kind of stuff. And, you know, in the, in anybody in the midst of it, right. you don't see it. Mm-mm. No, you're, you're just going through it. So, so I love this. This is, this is beautiful. So what's it mean to be a leader? Let's go down that track. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, I mean, because we're in some crazy damn times, you oh, know, and, and, you know, everything aside, being a business owner or CEO of a company is 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 a damn stressful place to be anyways. Now you got the world and everything going nuts. You know, so how does somebody lead? And then how does somebody lead in a time like this? Yeah, so the, you know, it's a, I love this question, Donnie, because for me being a leader, um, it only slightly has to do with title. Right, we know so that our, our system and the way that we operate is hierarchical, right? Because right. that's the structure that we bring to it. However, being a leader is about influence. And the very, very first person that you have to lead is yourself. Well said. If you can effectively learn to lead yourself, right, then you can maybe help others go to a good place too. People will follow you when they see who you are, and that's authentic, and that's real, and that's uh empathic and that is um really committed to something right now see i want to challenge this a little bit because you know you and i both grew up in generations where to be a a business leader of whatever you had to walk a certain way talk a certain way dress a certain way you know and now uh, with the a lot of help from zoom itself um people of learning that the more human you are the bigger you can go so so there's this weird conundrum happening of i'm supposed to be a leader and people are supposed to be looking up to me you know um, but i can't wear t-shirts i can't cuss i can't do all these things when at the moment of time we're in the opposite's true so you know how how does somebody retain that leadership side of things and still stay authentic i can't talk stay authentic to themselves no, I agree. I think that's exactly it. So it is about being authentic to who you are. Um, and, and you also have to know sort of your team and your organization and, and who they are, right? Because being a leader is not only about knowing who you are, but it's also about knowing how to manage, navigate, and adjust to what your team needs. So there's a balance there, right? And you've got to do a little bit of both. So I'm not going to totally pretend that I'm someone else so that, you know, my team can function. I'm in the wrong spot if I need to do that. However, I do need to be aware of there might be times where I might be a total hard ass, right? For lack of a better (laughs) term. However, in the midst of COVID, that's not the time, 
right? And that you've got to dial up your empathy and you've got to tune in with your team in a different way because everyone is dealing with such deep issues that resonate with them and that is impactful to not only them, but their entire family. So right. if you keep with this sort of hard-ass persona during this time, you're going to lose people, right? So it's about knowing they know you and know you who you are, but you also have to know what's my team dealing with right now and what do they need from me right now? I also think that's important for helping your team to rise, to meet the challenge, because you have to know what it is they need in order to be able to get the best out of them. If you only know what you need, so there's a, there's a saying that says, you know, if you're walking up the path and you turn around and there's no one behind you, you're just taking a walk, you're not leading, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so folks have to be following, there has to be someone following for you to be leading. Yeah, no, I love this. I, I And I love that phrase, by the way, but I, I think a lot of people are, are battling with their own demons. And what I mean by that is they want to be authentic, but they've never done it their entire journey, right? They've always walked the corporate line. I mean, hell, I did it for 20 years before I got the guts to get out and, and start my own business, you know? And so making that switch, even though Zoom has helped, you know, a lot of people do that, there, there's still this mental game of I've got to be a certain way. I've got to act a certain way. I'm going to carry myself or I'll lose respect in the marketplace from, you know, the people that report to me or my peers or whatever else. How does a leader battle that, their, their own self-talk that's saying, no, 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 you've got to get up and put the suit on every day. You know, you got to polish the shoes and the ties and, you know, you've got to act the part. How do they handle that head game they're playing with themselves? You know, one way that I do is I encourage, I encourage organizations to, um, it's sort of that, that concept of uh, disrupting, right? What a perfect time for disruption, right? Great we point. are in a time when everything is topsy-turvy and upside down. So if you're going to step up and say, okay, guys, this is really me. Now's a great time to do it. But then what does that mean for them? So then if you're just really going to be you, can they really be them? Nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you can't, you've got to just be prepared to deal with what, what that is and what comes from it. And if you want to create, so one of the things I promote passionately is a strike-free culture, which people think it's sort of, um, uh, sort of the opposite of what leadership really is. They think you should be stiff and have all these suits with a tie yeah, that you can yeah. barely breathe and, you know, all of that. But a stress-free culture is about unlocking. It's about unleashing your team. Because when you're stress-free, and research proves this, you're more creative, you're, you're really more dialed in, you're more focused. There's all of this great work. So I call it unlocking your team's superpower, right? When you commit like to a stress-free culture, you have the opportunity to unlock your team's superpowers that will help all of you rise. So in that, disrupt be you, you know, wear the t-shirt, just make sure that the team can do it too. Cause it's not, you know, we're, they're probably not 10. And so it's not <laughs> going to be the do as I say, not as I do thing. That's probably not going to work, but this is, I think a great opportunity to say, Hey guys, let's do some things differently. Here's the thing that's always interesting to me. Organizations are sometimes really short-sighted and thinking that if it's not this way, then it's not quote, right. Right. Well, what's, what the heck is right? 
<laughs> what what is that? What what book or definition are we getting the uh, the term right from? So you get to define what's right in your organization and for your team. You get to disrupt the team. You get to make it stress free. You get to unleash and unlock your team's superpowers so that they can get to the next level. been wanting to change things up a little bit on how we talk about our sponsors and the people who help make this show great. So this is going to be a little bit different style of commercial. Family Fund has been supporting families of first responders for a number of years. And it all started as a idea of Stacy and Michael McGovern who are the founders of Blue Family Fund. And it's a really unique story, but instead of me telling you, hear it in Stacy's words of why they started Blue Family Fund. Because I wanted to give back, I wanted to do more. You know, we'd been so successful in our for-profit business that um, we looked at each other and we said, you know, how can we, how can we pay this forward? My husband and I, how, you know, how can we pay it back, pay it forward? My grandfather, when I was growing up, always used to tell me, you know, in life, you get what you give. And um, I'm a big believer in that. You know, what you put out there, you can sometimes get back threefold. So we really just wanted to do more. We were already helping police officers, you know, with off-duty work. So how could we help the families? You know, as a family of a police officer, I understand that it's just as hard on the family as it is the actual officer. How could we do more for them um, by providing maybe scholarships for their dependents or financial aid for dependents that want to uh, pursue higher education. Stacy is one of the most humble people I know. Uh, their company, Point Blank Safety Services, has employed 200 off-duty police officers for, for several years and success on protecting the freeways, the highways, and everything else has done just Amazing things, not only for the state of Texas, but for the lives of the family officers that need additional income as they protect our lives. So for the fact that her and Michael would set up this fund to help the families in times of need, it's, it's really a, a, a beautiful thing. Blue Family Fund is focused on first responders and their families. And Recently, Stacy and Michael were able to give a small check to a, the family of a fallen police officer. He was a, a husband and a dad, and very touching uh, moment as I watched the video and presentation of the check. And you know, I, I wanted to hear from Stacy what it meant to her to be able to do that for that family. It's amazing. Um, the feel I can't I can't even describe the feeling. And then, you know, when you know I don't feel like it's that much money. But then when you hand it to them and they they um, break down crying because it's just enough to maybe get them over the next hurdle or obstacle that they've got going on. Um, it's it's really a great feeling just to be able to to do that. And the, the family you're talking about, both daughters are actually also firefighters, so they're both first responders as well. Um, so just a total first responder family and. Um, just to be able to give back to them and, and let them know that there are people that that are going to remember their dad and their husband and there are people that care it's it's a really great feeling one of the things that i think is magical behind the family fund is 
because of the success of Point Blank Safety Services, Stacy and Michael have set up Blue Family Fund to where 100% of the donations go back to the families of first responders. How we're different than maybe some other charities, how we pay all the bills for the, the nonprofit ourselves. So every single dollar donated can actually go directly to a family. So literally 100% of all donations are um, handed forward, you know, to, to either a scholarship or to a, a financial aid for a family that has lost a first responder. Blue Family Fund has been my charity of choice for a number of years now, and it's truly an amazing organization. So if you're a fan of the show and you like the content we put out there, do me a favor, head over to bluefamilyfund.org and send a little financial love their way. bosses over the years and some really, 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 really crappy ones. The, the really shitty bosses, you know, were the do what I tell you. The yeah. really great bosses were the you go, I go. So most of my bosses have always been in the sales game. That's my background, a sales guy. And the best sales managers or, you know, executives were the ones that, I don't want to say led by example, they led by, by doing it. Right. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of leaders who are now in leadership roles grew up with really shitty bosses, so they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. So how do you get through to them to change their ways so they can actually impact the people that are reporting to them and, and help them? Because I think part of your stress-free philosophy is not just the management or leadership team being stress-free. It's the entire culture. So how do you teach a leader that's never learned this to do this? Yeah, so it's a whole process that I take them through. And I use the foundation of emotional intelligence, right? And so um, that's sort of my, my underpinning emotional intelligence. But I take them through a roadmap. <clears throat> so there is, for an organization, I have two pathways for stress-free. One is for individual leaders who are looking to um, really live a stress-free leadership life. The other one is for organizations. The organizational pathway is through the five R's, right? There's five R's to stress-free for an organization. The first one is recognition, mm. right? And the first one, and I love this, with teams to get an executive or a C-suite or whatever they call their team, to get them in the room and take them through the process of recognition is enlightening. And once you get through the process of, of recognition, now you get, geez, we need to be such stress-free. We should have done this five years ago, yeah. right? So now you get there because you begin to understand all of the what happens when you're not stress-free and you think you're functioning now and you are, but you can be so much better. Right? You can really hit that next level gear with stress-free. So the first one is um, recognition. The second one, which is another one that I really love, like I play all day in this one. I just have a session on reimagining. Mm. This is the disruption part. This is the part where let's dream. If we could design our best, best place, what would it look like? And then you get everybody going, oh, we would do this and we would have this and it should be like this. And we get rid of this report and we start at this time or we take, you know, four hours PTO time unscheduled with no rules. You know, it's all of those things. 
that people can do. <clears throat> and you go through that reimagining phase and you let everybody drink. And then you pull it back a little bit and you say, okay, that was Nirvana. So <laughs> now bring it back a little bit and let's go through the process of redesign. Now let's take all of that dreaming and take where we are right now. And what is it we want to start with? What's phase one? What does that look like? And then we develop the plan for phase one. And then after we get the plan developed, then we go into recreation, which is your execution phase. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we dreamed this, we pulled it back a little bit. We said, okay, this is what we're actually going to do. And then we say, okay, let's get it done, right? So you go through that execution phase of it. And then the final phase of it is your reevaluation phase of it, where we come in and we go, okay, what's working? What's not working? What do we need to tweak? Right? Because nothing is forever. Right. Leadership teams don't have to be fearful about making a change because you're never stuck. Right? I tell leaders, please don't ever feel stuck in your own life. You're not ever stuck in the decision you make as a leadership team. Guess what? You come in, you throw things up in the air, you go, well, that didn't work. Let's change that and do something different. It's okay. And again, it speaks to your humanity and it speaks to something else really important. It speaks to your trust in the team. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. You know, the, the frustrating side of that is depending on where you are in a company, Mm -hmm. um, uh, if you're middle management and the culture is not accepting of failure, yep. it's very, very, very hard to do that. Um, you know, I've worked in corporations where, you know, you shut up and did what you told, um, or you didn't get promoted. You didn't get advanced. You didn't do anything. And I've never been good at the whole shut up and do what you told type of role. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know i'm i'm fascinated with the idea is how does a leader that doesn't have control over the own culture they only have control over their team create that environment so that they can you know allow for people to innovate and the only way to innovate is to screw things up until it works yeah absolutely you know yeah. so how do you create that so it's, it's an interesting sort of dynamic. You have to start where you are. And um, what is the serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to understand the things I cannot change and make sense different. I can never remember the uh, prayer. <laughs> I love it so much, but you know where I'm going with it. Right? You have to understand sort of how to operate with inside of your organization. But there's a, there's a window that you have, that you have influence and and that is where you can make your biggest difference. So that is where you make your difference for the team. But there's another piece to this that's really important. And that is managing your own thinking around your organization's systems and processes. If you have no control over your upline, right? We call it managing up. If you can't manage those folks up in that C-suite area because they are just rigid and this is just the way that it is, then you have to, in order to decrease your stress, you have to think about it differently. Mm. right you have to approach it differently and that alone will help you manage your stress until you can get those folks to talk to somebody like me really great woman i think we should talk to her and the other thing i wanted to mention is what you mentioned about um, not accepting failure it's such a critical part of that but we actually build that into the process so when i'm in with the c-suite and the executive team, we talk about that. We talk about psychological safety. 
we talked about being able to, what does it mean to failure, to fail? Let's really define what that means and then let's redefine it for the team so that we can become more accepting of it because those who have uh, succeeded at great things have failed at many, right? Yes. I was talking to someone the other day who said, gosh, Babe Ruth was one of the greatest baseball hitters ever, but you know how much he struck out? Right. More than anybody else too. So, you know, failure is uh, definitely a part of this and leaders, but you know why they don't know? Nobody teaches us. Who teaches this? No one right. teaches Right. You know, it, it's, it's fun to always go through this and, and, you know, what is it? Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky, one of the two said, you know, you miss a, you know, 100% of the shots you don't take, you know, it's, it, I think that goes a lot for leaderships of trying new things and, and figuring it out. What, about the solopreneurs and the the entrepreneurs and the ones that are just going through it that don't have people to lead what do they do when it comes to thinking about leadership and and what do i do do i lead myself i mean <laughs> <laughs> absolutely there's a there's a technique that i um sort of a technique that i developed for emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence is really underpinning everything that we do um, people don't really know what it is, and they certainly often don't know how to practically apply it to their lives and their business. So I teach them in three quick, easy steps how you can use emotional intelligence to get more of what you want and less of what you don't, right? I don't care if it's in work, in life, in your business. How do I get more of what I want and less of what I don't? It's using emotional intelligence. So there's a process that I use called the UCR Advantage. And when I teach the entrepreneur, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just um, teaching a class to a group of entrepreneurs and I teach this whole two part, it's like a two and a half hour session on the UCR Advantage. And it teaches them everything from understanding what emotional intelligence is, understanding how to navigate life challenges and your business challenges using the UCR Advantage and its understanding communication and response. Very, very simple, but extremely powerful when we go through the exercises of how you apply it to your business. And then I took it one step further for them. The next step was, how does this relate to what I'm attracting into my life? And so I connected it with universal law and the law of attraction. Man, we <laughs> brought that whole session. Absolutely loved it. I am telling you, Donnie, they left that session going. This is great. I wish I had this five years ago, you know, but then uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's the easy part. Giving you the information is the easy part. The transformation takes place after you truly go through a transformative cycle and you're at the integration and application stage. That's transformation. So just hearing the information, it's like, oh, wow, this is powerful. That's cool. Yeah, don't talk to me about it now. I'll be back in six months. <laughs> you can tell me how you are and where you are in six months so we can see if you're following through because as humans habits kick in right and for your entrepreneurs um that's what they have to be guarded against we are where we are because we know what we know so yes. in order to get to the next stage you've got to create a new set of habits and that's not an easy thing to do no agreed agreed um man you're fun to talk to you so what what keeps going through my mind Mm -hmm. is the emotional intelligence side of things, the leadership side of things, the human side of things, you know, there's, there's so many moving parts to maintain your own self identity. 
um because mm-hmm. just like emotional intelligence our identity underpins all of this yep. you know so so a lot of people carry their baggage around with them in everything they do whether mm-hmm. it's leadership whether it's being a business owner whether it's being a salesperson a mom you know a dad whatever you know because they don't know enough about themselves you know yep. Nobody told me when I launched my business that I was going to discover more about myself than anything I've ever done in my life, you know, because when you run out of people to blame that everything stops with you, the excuses get done pretty quick, you know? So um, I'm curious now that you went from big corporate America, CEO of a hospital, Miss Billy Badass, you know, taking on the world to now running your own business and doing this leadership coaching, how massive was, two questions, how massive was that a shock to your own personal identity to go from I'm CEO to now solopreneur? Um, and and how is this transition changed? How you view running a business? Would you still run that hospital the same way you would now knowing what you do running your own business? Wow, what a great question. I've Thanks. before. <laughs> So the first part of it is the shift was massive because when when I started running my own business, my first question was, where's all the policies and procedures? <laughs> <laughs> Daniels, I'm used to it, especially coming from the healthcare world, right? Because yep. hey, we've got if we got nothing, we got plenty of processes, policies, and procedures. We got lots of data, we're gonna aggregate and analyze the heck out of everything. And so without all of that and starting from scratch, you're kind of like, holy cow, I have to do this. What I found out pretty quickly is what I was passionate about was not what was, was going to grow my business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we I, all do that really quickly. <laughs> all that stuff that I didn't really care for that I needed to really get a handle on in order to run the business effectively. And so going forward, I had to understand um, that first of all, I had the opportunity to mold the clay, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is a big ball of clay. You can mold it and tweak it now, but it's not going to come out looking like Gumby the first round, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hell no, it's not. It's, it's going to come out like one of those deformed bowls or ashtrays or something. <laughs> but, then, but then you get to keep molding and playing. And what I learned that I would take back into business in a heartbeat is one of the things we were just talking about. There isn't any failure. Everything is an exercise and an opportunity for learning. Everything is a lesson. So failure doesn't really exist unless you allow it to take root in your mindset, right? That's the only place failure really ever exists. So if I could go back and run a business, that statement that I made earlier where I said, you're never stuck. Just like I learned I wasn't stuck at this point in my life, I know now that I am never stuck in business. Listen, I am now the person who will do something tomorrow like, oh, well, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> right. And, and it's, it's that opportunity and that flexibility, I think, that will help us really get to the next level without extra gray hairs. We're all going to get them eventually, but you don't need to get them too soon because you're stressing over things that can easily be changed, right? There's no doors. I used to say to someone, 
um, who said, well, if I move to that place, I might not like it because I tend to move around a little bit. They're like, how do you know you're going to like it? Well, if I don't, I'll just leave. There are no doors locking me in. Right. right? So, so that's how life is. And that's how business is as well. And that's a huge lesson. And actually one of my favorite to have that conversation with leaders who are fearful that, yeah. you know, if we fail at this, then we're going to ruin our business or our market share and standing and all of those things that really are mostly in our head. Right. All right. I got a tough question for you that keeps popping in my head. And I, and I and hear my fans want me to ask this. So, so you go from CEO, big corporate America. Now you're solopreneur running your own business. Never really done sales in your entire life that I've heard. You may have. Right. Now yeah. you got to go do all the own business development for yourself. How fucking hard was that? It sucks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was going to throw something at you if you said anything else. <laughs> Sucks. Let me tell you, emotional intelligence and all, it was terrible because I always considered myself, listen, let me tell you how bad I have always been with sales. I didn't sell Girl Scout cookies. I never did any of the little raffles in school. I am not even kidding. I would not do any of that because I always had it in my head that I could not sell. I'm not going to sell anything. So then what comes along as I get sort of to my early adult years, network marketing, I'm like, nope, not doing any of that I suck at selling, right? I can't sell anything. But at some point, I'm like, crap, I don't have any business. <laughs> right. I met this gentleman who was amazing at transforming the way I looked at sales. And he just had this very conversational way of walking me through it and saying, what is it you love to do? And I'm like, I love to help leaders. And he's like, how, how can you help them if you can't sell your product to them? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I can't, I guess. Right? And so first of all, he dealt with that issue that I had, that selling was bad somehow. And I was right. on people. And so we got that out of the way. But then he actually taught me a conversational technique where I could just have a conversation with a team or a client or someone and talk them through to say, now let's talk about what I can offer you and is that a fit for you? And it either is or it isn't. They may need to think about that a little bit, but it doesn't really feel like I'm pushing something on them that they don't need. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to bring you a solution. And it has completely transformed my way of thinking about sales. I love it. I love it. Um, that's the one part I think people don't think about when they jump out to start their business. They don't think about where's the business actually going to come from. Yep. You know, uh, I, I, even being a sales guy, I was just as guilty when I launched my business. I'm like, okay, I have a website and a company. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Without yeah. sales, you, you don't have a whole lot. So now you're on this grand adventure where you're working with amazing companies, leading yep. amazing teams and, and training and, and literally transforming the world with everything you're doing. What's it feel like to know that you're winning in your own business and not somebody else's? You know, it, it, there's a feeling um, that, there was a phrase that someone used to describe it the other day to me. I was trying to, I was trying to think of it, but someone said the other day that you're always building dreams. Always. You are always building dreams. The only question is, are you building your dream or are you building someone else's? Right. Right. 
And so to know that you are working just as hard and putting just as much effort in and to see the fruits of that flower um, sort of unfold is an amazing, amazing feeling. It's tough. It is tough. There is no doubt about it. Uh, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. No, it is not. It is not for the faint of heart, but you can do it if that's what you put your mind to. If you decide that this is what you want, and I'm a person that believes you can have anything you want in this world, who's going to tell you you can't? Right. No. Right? Beautiful. So you can have every, anything you want in the world. The only question is, are you willing to do what it takes to get it? And I think that's what makes the difference between a successful entrepreneur and one that burns out, you know, very, very quickly. Looking back, I'm sure you have no regrets. Not, not a person has built as well as you often has regrets, but I'm curious now running your business and finding some success with it and everything. Is there any desire to wish you'd have done it 20 years ago? Well, I kind of did, but I sucked back then. <laughs> <laughs> a list of entrepreneur ventures I had. You know, I started my first entrepreneur journey. I'm not sure, have I told this story? I'm not sure if I've ever told this story, Donnie. I think maybe once I have. I started my first uh, uh, entryway into entrepreneurship when I was in middle school. And I was in middle school and we would go to school and there was this door on the way to school. And I loved Hubba Bubba. So I would go to this door and I would buy a pack of Hubba Bubba. And, uh, and I got to the school and everybody would be like, oh, can I have a piece? Can I have a piece? And I was so kind-hearted that before I know it, I was out of Hubba Bubba and I, I'm like, dang it, now I got to go to the store tomorrow. So I'm repeating this cycle before it dawned on me that I should sell Hubba Bubba for 10 cents a piece. And then people can, so, you know, that was enough for me to buy two packs. So that then I could double the return. That was my first entry. And that was probably the most successful entrepreneur <laughs> venture that I had in probably the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, and I think my business, you know, I have a, I have a master's in, um, in business administration. So I think that that helps me as well as just my leadership journey and being able to run a budget for an organization and be responsible for you know, a, a million dollar plus budget, right? That um, really did help me be able to look at those numbers and not be afraid of them, mm. right? Know that I could deconstruct those numbers and see what's behind them, which told me I had the ability to sort of manipulate what was going into those numbers, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. No, totally, totally. You know, where do you think this crazy ass adventure is going to take you? I mean, it's been a wild ride so far. I mean, and it's only a bigger adventure the further you go. Yeah, you know, um, so my, my, my partner in crime calls it uh, the development cycle, right? That everything is a development step and, and you just allow yourself to learn and move on to the next cycle. I don't know where it's going, but I am like all in for the ride. I'm like, wherever it goes, I'm just riding it and I, I'm not gonna beat myself up about it and not gonna stress too much about it because now I'm very intentional. So I set, you know, I'm very strategic in terms of where I want to go. So right. I definitely put the work into that. Um, but I love detours. I will step off and smell the roses and watch the butterflies and then be like, okay, wait, okay, that's over here. <laughs> and I think that part is the fun in life. And I don't want to miss that, right? I don't want to miss 
the enjoyment in the journey. So for every entrepreneur out there who is going through the process of the challenges involved in building your business, it's challenging, but enjoy the journey mm. because there is no destination. I don't know if, I'm, if I if I was on MSNBC, I want you to flash a breaking news banner across the screen right now, right? Or any of those news shows, breaking news. There, is, there isn't really a destination. It's simply an evolving of life. So enjoy the journey. Love it, love it, love it. Girl, how does everybody find you? If they're, if they're looking for your information, they want leadership training, or they just want to follow you because you've got a cool spirit to you, um, and you got this kick-ass vibe that I just enjoy the hell out of, what, where do people find you? Yeah, they can visit uh, my website. You can go to uh, thestressfreeleader.net, thestressfreeleader.net. Um, and if you're out there and you're in this organization or you're building a team and you've got some folks on your team that are really stressed and um, you're looking to, number one, identify how do you help them? Because every leader that's really stressed shows up a little bit differently. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So they can go to um, stressfreeleaders.com. And there's a free ebook that you can download to learn about the five types of stressed out leaders and how to become stress-free. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, here's how I wrap up every show and I do stump some people. So get ready for this. Okay. If you were going to leave the champions from around the world with a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it and going through it, What's that phrase you would say? Remember this. If opportunity doesn't knock, build the door. <laughs> I love it. Um, sounds like you've done that once or twice on your journey. <laughs> I, I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. Miss <laughs> Rhonda, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for putting up with my craziness of wrong links and schedules and everything else. And, and thank you for just for a damn good conversation. Much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Guys, if you haven't come hung out in the Success Champions Facebook group, head on over to Facebook, type in the word Success Champions, and get your ass in there. 1,200 small business owners from around the world that are kicking ass and taking names and rising together. And then if you haven't checked out SuccessChampionsNetworking.com, we are changing the game of networking. We all know that BNI is for rookies, so it's time to up your game and come hang out with the people that are really kicking ass and opening doors for others. Don't sit around and wait for business to come to you. Partner up with some real badasses that are there to help you really grow your business. No more sitting in boring ass meetings with stupid jingles, and crap nobody cares about come learn come mastermind come hang out with the real champions that will not only champion you but they'll champion your business as well successchampionnetworking.com is where you need to be appreciate you guys and as always if somebody you know somebody who needs to listen to this show send this to them it means everything to me thanks guys talk soon love you bye
Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.